didn't I? <laughs> this podcast is fueled by Fireball. Oh, you're igniting it with Fireball, are you? Yeah. But uh, okay. You, you can't, like, that sounds better. Ah, yeah, I was going to say, you're actually supposed to set it on fire. There's some alcohols you can set on fire. I haven't tried <laughs> setting Fireball on fire just yet, but that would be quite fun to do. And did you come up with your ultimate uh, mix of Fireball with said soft fizzy drink that you were on about in the last podcast not yet no um, um, because it's, it's still under uh, investigation uh, well, there's a lot of energy drinks out there so uh, there's a lot of fireball that you need to go through as well exactly right? so um, luckily it's Christmas party season so uh, you've got an excuse to try them all out I guess yeah just working my way through just working my way through just remember to recycle the cans and the glass bottles I, I am indeed don't drink I? responsibly I, I do drink responsibly have I, you I, ever been ID'd for energy drink yet no, no. By the time like energy drinks were a thing, I wasn't like, I then or by the time age limits on energy drinks became a thing, I wasn't um, young enough <laughs> to get ID'd for them. Ah, uh, so because uh, you know when you go to the self-service beepy thing, yeah, it always stops me now if I'm buying one, so I have to actually go to the counter to buy one without having to stand it? around and wait. Yeah, because energy drinks now have a in the UK they have a age limit on apparently so I'm in the one up the high street mm. and beeping it through and then I've got to wait for someone in the you know that looks after all of these to come up and do their little swipey thing punching a little code <laughs> little code do you whereas if I go to the kiosk yeah. for the same can of uh, energy drink it's like yeah pay cash I don't even have to talk to them I just dab me a card on it's just like don't even have to look at you yeah I can't do anything until I've actually drunk this and then I turn into the Incredible Hulk <laughs> do you know what I struggle with is self- excuse me <laughs> I can't get through a single self-service checkout with at some point it faulting on me and something going wrong to the point where people don't believe me that it happens every time until they start shopping with me like wow it really like, every time something happens where it's angry with you I was like well I do have to what buy what have you done to piss off Skynet man <laughs> uh, probably be lactose and gluten free because it's always the barcodes on the shitty replacement products we have to use anyway <laughs> welcome to Real Life Rockstars podcast <laughs> The Christmas edition. Uh, the the part two to our top ten, the top five albums of the decade. Thank you, Mike. I'm glad you went with. Did we come with it? I've asked around and no one could come up with a proper term for 2010 to 2020. The teens, or you know, it's the the 20 teens kind of sounds a bit creepy, uncle. Yeah, you know what I mean. The, it's like the, oh, the teenies is no better. Yeah, um, the noughties sounded good because it was like yeah, naughty new decade. <laughs> and, whereas, and, and everything started with a naught. And you can't, yeah, the, the ones. Yeah, uh, whereas the best, uh, yeah. <laughs> we're about to get back to the roaring twenties. I can't wait. Mate. We've been yeah. playing future tracks from the next decade on our show for a few weeks now. The roaring twenties, fam. Yeah, yeah. I'm very happy about this. I'm very, very, very happy about. Imagine this. if some of the trends from the nineteen twenties came back, which I'm pretty sure they probably will be. Well, they want to do the snappy dressing, don't they? Like, yeah, yeah. Have you but, seen all of those suits that are very twenties esque becoming yeah, popular yeah, again? Peaky Blinders is probably helping with that. I don't yeah. know when Peaky Blinders is said, but I just imagine that's what it's all about. I haven't watched I happen it. to be able to carry um, that off, uh, that look off quite well. Okay. Also, there will be something that happens in 2020. That will shock and amaze you, um, relating to me, uh, which has been a long time coming. You're going to get your hair cut. 
Oh, I am which indeed. one? Because there's one that's sticking up that way compared to the others that go that way. Um, <laughs> I, I'm probably, yeah, you got it. Um, probably <laughs> getting rid of um, the, um, all of my hair, donating it to um, is it like the Princesses Trust or something like that, where they can make it into a wig yes. for a little girl. I'd say that my hair's just about long enough to do that. Um, so it's all coming off. I'm done. Like um, I realised the other day, I was there, like toweling it dry, just going, I can't be fucking bothered with this bullshit anymore. I'm like that. With I've got no hair, but I've grown my beard back recently, and it's just getting like, damn it, my beard gets wet in the morning when I have a shower, obviously. Mm. And then I go outside, and it's you know I wear shorts all year round, but when your face is still got that kind of clinging moisture, even though you can towel it dry or dry a beard it still has that moisture somewhere in it that as soon as you go out at six o'clock in the morning on you trudge to work it's like well that's woken me up i was uh nice and asleep and you know i can sleep in the shower and I, my alarm goes off i'm on autopilot but it is that moisture in the beard that's yeah. same thing for still, you i guess <laughs> still wet still wet um yeah hippie but no, um, I just, uh, I was, uh, like I said, I was just stood there, I was like, I just couldn't be bothered um, anymore, like, I'm, I was like, I just don't uh, want to, but I have a, a certain uh, reason which uh, um, it's uh, stayed, as I said, that once I sort of change careers into the thing I want to do, which is um, hopefully uh, reasonably close. Um, yeah, there's not many superheroes with long hair, I think Thor. Even he's uh, had his hair cut, but you haven't caught up in the franchise enough. Yeah. Yeah, so no, even Thor has short well, Last time I was into Thor, it was still print media. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, we um, we did some shout-outs at the end of the last uh, podcast, which I'm going to do at the start of this podcast. Um, and so, firstly, I think we should do um, a main shout-out to the main sort of people that get us to uh, be able to do what we do best. Fireball. Uh, well, Fireball first. Um, but with both the podcast and the show, it is uh, generally the PR companies and associated style companies that help us the most. So we're just going to quickly run through every single one that we can think of. Oh, you're going to ask me to think people now, aren't uh, well, you? Well, see what I um, don't do. So we've got, um, obviously, Public City and Whole Type PR. Yeah, they've been on the show. Uh, we've got um, Incendio and Domino um, as well. There's the Noise Cartel. They're not all the same. Like I'm just going through the ones I can remember. Noise Cartel, um, uh, Stampede. Yeah, Nuclear um, Blast, Nuclear AC Blast. Promotions. Um, there's a oh, there's a few more. Uh, the problem is, is uh, and in a lovely way, we speak to the personal emails of uh, things far too much. Don't Rage we? PR. Rage PR. Oh man, there there are so many PRs that send us new music for our radio show. It's, it's Sound PR has been one that's been around for years as well, um, but. Yeah, there's just yeah anyone that's helped get get involved with our radio show and with the podcast, we we, we fully appreciate the support you've given us in 2019. Um, and then people who have supported either our show or the podcast. So, shout out to um, the main member of our team MJRS, which is uh, Martha F. Photo. Um, did that in the last podcast. I'll say I'm running through the ones I did at the end of the last podcast. Oh, a recap. Away. Sorry, a quick recap. So Martha F. Photo. For our togs and everything like that, um, all our photography work basically, very patient um, uh, human being. Um, the artist for um, the, both now the Rock Shows and logo and uh, the Real Life Rockstars logo being Ryan Hartford, graphic design, and then there's uh, the two Charlies that have helped us the, uh, with intros to the podcast and the show. So 
podcast, Charlie Pose, um, of Seething Akira, and show one, Charlie Smith, of uh, Mind Art Visual. Um, so thank you very much. There you go. Uh, those are the people that have directly done a, um, a big thing, but again, if we haven't shouted you out, thank you anyway, because the only reason that we can keep doing this is because of the people that um, help us all the time. Just help, help, help. So. Well, don't forget the people that actually, you know, aren't in the industry that get involved, like the listeners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the reason we're doing it all is the people that listen and tune into the radio show because they like hearing new music that is not just a playlist. There is some banter between the tunes and we give you some information and stories and stuff like that. Um, um, and yeah. Yeah, try our best to, um, you know, we, we get that radio may not be the most popular thing in the world, which is why we try and give you an experience that does give you a reason to listen to it. We've tried over the years, uh, particularly to create a positive uh, space uh, with our show, so that, you know, even if it's just a, a love of banter or, <clears throat> you know, if you're having a bad day and you just need cheering up, then our show is there for you as well. Um, because, you know, we try and create a conversational atmosphere for those people that may, you know, may be stuck um, on their, on their tod and uh, want to sort of join in. And uh, that's why we're always manning our social media as well. Uh, we love it when people say, hey, and thanks. Yeah. So, uh, m- massive shout out to everybody that listens. But also, like this year, as we've said on podcasts before, the radio show has been the most successful. We've even been number one in the global metal charts. Which has never happened before. So. No, we've had quite a lot of number twos. <laughs> 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 but we won't talk about those shows. But no, mm. yeah, it's just nice to gradually you know, see it organically growing over the last uh, sort of 12 months, which is nice. Um, as well as um, there's been um, you know, very positive feedback um, for um, us hitting uh, social media um, a lot harder than before. So we've both sort of taken responsibility for taking the YouTube concept to... You'd done it on Facebook, and it was your idea originally, um, and then I've done it with IGTV. We've had some lovely feedback from people uh, with uh, the fact that we've uh, sort of launched on those platforms as well for yeah um, everything. So we're, no, we're, we're really thankful for the people that do pay attention and actually take the time to thank us for what we do. Um, so that that is a, a general shout out to everyone, but it's and only it is because still all DIY for us. We've yeah. both got normal jobs and. Whack on either high-vis or an office shirt or whatever the case may be that day. And we said in the last podcast that this is pre-recorded. So we recorded this podcast straight after the last podcast at the beginning of uh, the month just because we needed some time off. It's nice, you know, it's Christmas coming up, it's New Year and I've got some time off from our day jobs. So we're going to... Family time of year, isn't it? It's all that kind of stuff. It's just like nice. Plus, everyone else in the music industry sort of closes down for three or four weeks and we thought we'd follow suit our, our show is based on upfront new music and if you're not getting anything sent to you for three or four weeks then all we're doing is reminiscing about stuff we played last year and it, it, you know it's nice to do that but actually it'd be nice to have a break and do stuff so although Good these pod- space. yeah although these podcasts are coming out it doesn't take a, as much to release a podcast than it does to record it edit it and do all the bits around it so we do all that in one day and then i've got the rest of the month off to oh, I'm, I'm to do really, same really... with the radio show we've only got a couple left to go but then we'll, we'll still have time out kind of thing so really looking forward to it yes and shout out to you for um, coming up with uh, the the way as the man with the name on the show uh managing that um so that we can do that as well it was uh, 
Again, so, something that you uh, really clocked onto that would be healthy for the two of us to do. Um, and, you know, I am looking forward to downing sticks for a bit. And What's even more important is I've actually got some time off my day job and I've managed to get almost two straight weeks off with only booking about three days of my annual leave. Oh, so fun. it's like I've still got a whole ton of annual leave to take as well. Yeah. Like, and that's got to be done by April. So one of the podcasts is going to be exceedingly like chilled out next year <laughs> whereas Mikey's been at home all week man on the sofa he's run out of Netflix he's waiting for Netflix 2 to come out <laughs> um, right so yeah we should get into this really man um, this one um, just to basically explain what we covered in the last one is uh, the criteria boils down to you have to generally like 75% or more of the album and know um, like sort of at least a, a melody line to so that you could hum it I think for the top five, it's uh, I've got slightly different criteria. Uh, well, I was going to say that there's also like the emotional attachment. Yeah. What do you think is different for uh, the top five? The, the impact that the the albums have actually had on my life, not just the emotional, but the overall proper impact of. They've done they've yeah. done things for you. Yeah. Yeah. Not so much apart from one on this, um, but we'll get into that as we go through because and I feel that it. One, uh, five to one is going to seem like uh, more of the same, but it's... Um, I, I have a feeling there's going to be at least... Um, I, I've got the potential of one, two... Th oh, actually, in the top five, no, yeah. Pro definitely two that I think are in your top five as well, and I haven't seen your top five. And uh, obviously you get to go first okay. um, as well on this. Uh, but I, I reckon there's going to be at least one explosive moment um, on, um, on this podcast. Yeah. I just reckon we might have the same number one. I don't think we do. Oh. Like, I don't think we do. Um, In I'm that not, case, ooh. I'll be very surprised if we did. Celine's greatest hits from down there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Unless, so... Did, did Conway Twitty have an album out in the last decade? <laughs> <laughs> really didn't. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> So should I go with my uh, number five album of the last ten years? Yes. Okay. Uh, it came out on the 19th of January, 2015. Okay. It was produced by that man, Dan Weller. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's by a, an English band. And just looking at the, my top five, four of them are British. English. Very English. Oh. There we go. Homegrown. Top ten, almost. Well, uh, yeah. So the uh, the album is called Minesweep, and the band are Enter Shikari. Okay, okay. So Shikari have got a top five verse slot with you. Mate, this album is phenomenal. Was that the one with the last Garrison? Yes. Yes. And an anesthetist, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. it just took them to the next level. I thought it was like. Well, don't forget that was also the year that Raoul performed, um, like very very ill at a um, download yeah well. so it was yeah just the whole sound was like booming wasn't it and, oh like, incredible politically charged but on a on a way that it's it's you know people are, are, you know are, i'm in my 40s i'll hold my hands up until it aches then I'll <laughs> <put that. laughs> yeah, yeah but like for me it, it was someone that was younger than me talking to a generation that was younger than him yeah. about things that I'm interested in, you know, politics, the way the world is, that kind of thing. It's, Again, they use their platform. Yeah, well. yeah. It's it's a very clever way of 
engaging with the youth community or the younger community of the me uh, on very pressing things uh, and but also they cover some some of the issues they cover in their lyrics and stuff are issues that the youth have that we don't kind of think you know mm. someone of my age you know you're 10 years younger than me yeah uh, so but we still have a collective worry i guess about climate change and things like that and that's very prevalent and you know the main emphasis on a lot of the stuff that enter shikari do and they always um sort of promote good mental state and mental health and things like that so this album just punches straight in kind of thing it was awesome and the beats were phenomenal even without the lyrics you could just go and like shake your ass to them yeah fair play and then i got my stalky stalk on with them and uh interviewed them all and gradually managed to get all of them ticked off um and yeah and then what was it was it last year or the year before where Rao was at everything we were at and I just didn't interview him or anything like that or the band I just went to every festival he was at and had a selfie with him and then yeah, by the time yeah. we got to Reading he came up to me and he's like he spotted me he was like I don't I kind of went up to him and he's like you want the photo kind of thing and I was like nah <laughs> went, went to walk off but I got it in the end <laughs> and um, yeah and they went yeah that's just how it goes kind of thing man it's it was one of those fun albums with a strong sort of punchline to it that I think, yeah, it's okay. my top five. Is that okay for you? I, I like that uh, choice. Do you want the running order? Uh, the running length, sorry. It's yes, four, 44, 42. Okay, well. So just shy of 45 minutes? Mine is also just shy of 45 minutes. Ooh. Coming in at 42 minutes 25. Oh. And this is the last Produced time. by? Uh, oh, produced uh, by a Sumerian. Um, but interestingly enough, this will be the last time that this band appears on my top ten. Ask it, Alexandria. It is. I got that when you said the Sumerian. Yeah. But which one do you reckon um, I've popped in to the top ten? Um, the new one. The one that was your album of the year after being out for a week and made it to your number one spot, was it last year? Yeah. Is it that one? No. Ah. Surprisingly enough. I it's like not that the, album. It's not the Dennis Stoffmeister one, is it? No, it's the one before um, all of the, those. So Reckless and Relentless. Oh, I was going to say Sequins, but that was the Lounge Kittens. We <laughs> um, <laughs> were so on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. Their second studio album, uh, which was May 5th, 2011. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, again, the 75% hit rate on this one. Again, for me, this is the one that really transported them from being sort of um, a bit of a, okay, um, interesting, because it's a very different sound change, uh, uh, as well as in keeping with what they were. Um, but yeah, this one has, uh, you know, we picked up off of this one, um, one of our club tunes that, since it came out we've been playing which is closure yes and uh, we've slammed that one so many times but it's just looking at the track list for me it's just you know um you've got dear insanity closure lesson level to the stage someone somewhere um another bottle down um and breathless that there's just so many um absolutely like um it's it's almost like it was was it the last album before they kind of things started to go a bit awry yeah, for them. Uh, this one this was when asking was still like on the the high of uh and they wrote yeah. a, a decent second album um, on the high which was different from the first and it went down well was that the album where we went to a 
interview them and they were doing a signing and it caused a roadblock and then we didn't get to interview yeah them. yeah that one yeah 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 that so, was with chelsea gray yeah the, yeah 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 the yeah. really good era uh, where danny's voice um was uh sounding like the first two albums yeah he hadn't blown it out yet um but I'm not saying blur it out like a bad thing. I'm saying that uh, Danny Warsnock is one of the few vocalists out there that blew his voice to shreds and made it better. Um, and I could. Uh, but he had to leave the band, become a rock star, sing that style to make it through to what he is now. How much planning was in that? Who knows? Um, but I think um, it was the best thing um, that has happened because you get a much better stage performance from him than you have ever got um, across an entire tour. He sounds as good, and then he does other bits and bobs whilst he's uh, on tour for any of his projects. So he's always singing on a uh, uh, social media, basically, and stuff like that. Um, and just a massive shout out to uh, Danny, actually, because he's the one that sort of had the the very public falling apart um, over years. And then um, he is of that era, though, isn't yeah. he? Where he's one. I'd say he's one of the rock stars that I'm aware of that literally will live everything online especially for this period of oh. time I don't know if he does anymore because he's not really on my radar the, but and then the cool thing about Danny these days which is what I was leading to is whilst um, he's had the very public falling apart he is one of the uh, most like sort of interesting and positive um, sort of people to follow these days like um, he's very focused very driven uh, but still has like certain habits and I love his like good advice on drinking and stuff he's like and you know um, you should probably not drink like I did but if you are going to drink like I did, keep cab money to get home. Um, don't uh, don't be so don't be an asshole and unsafe. Just being an asshole is enough. It was something along those lines. It was a really well, funny. That was way. the point of this podcast: is life hacks, and <laughs> that sounds like a life hack from Danny Warstock. Exactly. Like, <laughs> Especially um, this time of the year, it's always a good idea to put your cab money uh, like in your sock or something, so it doesn't matter how wrecked you dry. get on yeah. like New Year's Eve or something. You've you still got, home. yeah, you can still get home or get out of uh, a, a sticky situation or anything like that. You've always well, got that Or off. if you're us, um, get picked up from the train station by my mum in her minivan. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sat in a three-piece suit, like, soaked through from torrential rain after DJ New Year's Eve. Yeah. I remember that. Bless, yeah. bless her. That happened in the last ten years, too. Um, so that's my, um, uh, and the, again, I don't want to um, dismiss uh, the self-titled album. I think it's one of the best pieces of work that they have done, um, and it's really inspiring. But by my own rules of criteria, I don't know enough of the tracks, but I love, as I said, the narration of where they are, asking of a narrator coming back to being like mature, and that's what Alone in a Room is about, and Into the Fire, and it's just, yeah. the new stuff is fantastic, but... Um, it just we're talking top ten of the decade for me Reckless and Relentless is always going to be like a fucking album do you know what I mean um, so that's why my uh, my number five is uh, um, asking uh, Reckless and Relentless cool right so we're now down to number four this is where stuff gets interesting yes so you want my number four album came out in 2011. Okay. Um, so how would you best describe them? I don't know. So I'll just tell you it's Grave Times by The Defiled that we can discuss. Oh, Industrial Metalcore. Yes, I guess so. The, it was um, that kind of... 
is that Marilyn, the goth? Um, yeah, yeah, Marilyn Manson kind of alt rock. Um, definitely Rob Zombie inspired. But yeah, that band just blew you away. They, they, they can took over my entire life so much so that I booked them to play events for us and we did competitions with them. And they exploded and in the year that um, you had booked them and so by the time it actually came round there they were huge in yeah. comparison we to where we interviewed they them on every single tour they ever did in the UK. There's and... a really funny story as well um, to the Defile that um, AVD is one of the <laughs> nicest people you can meet and I met him probably about 10 times uh, because you even ev- interviewed him as well, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, uh, because uh, he would introduce himself to me every single time. Uh, because I, I think it's I do switch my appearance a reasonable amount, uh, but it was always funny because Stitch was the complete opposite. Um, yeah, um, like knew who I was like from the very and again what a what a down to earth lovely guy that from the moment he met both of us remembered our names and like it was just coming back to meeting friends. And do you remember that one where we were sat? cross-legged in the middle of uh, um, their dressing room. Yeah. Just microphone in the middle, um, no camera, because they're like, oh, uh, you guys can just come in and uh, do the audio one if you want. And they're like, um, like no makeup, no um, anything like that. And they're just like, you guys can come in and chill with us. Um, this is what every fan wants and uh, we'll never get because obviously we can't give them behind the scenes yeah, or yeah. everything. But um, both, have con- uh, both of those guys have continued to be really good friends. You had a jacket made by the band. Yeah, um, and um, visuals as well that we could use at our club nights. We, we used to do. needles earlier this year. Oh, we did. Where was that? Boomtown, wasn't it? No, no, um, the download in the... Um, was it download? I thought it was Boomtown. No, it's when we did the, um, the queuing. That was it, yeah. Oh, the, that infamous... Uh, uh, yes, that one at that time. Less, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, but no, every member of this band, and we were, like, we've seen them do absolutely insane things. Like they did a pillar of crowd surfing for the guitarist and walked him round uh, the fleece. Uh, they were hanging uh, off in Bristol, yeah. Yeah, they were hanging off parts of um, the um, Feckler. Um, well, they headlined the Jaeger stage at Sonisphere, and they had to get their set cut short because Metallica were waiting to get on stage because everything on their stage or something overran. Yeah. And then they had their they literally like played three sets, uh, three songs, and then like everyone had to go and watch Metallica because all the stages closed and they were the last ones playing, kind of yeah. thing, if I remember right. Uh, and then Metallica kept everyone waiting for twenty minutes. It's like we could have literally watched the end of the Defiled show. <laughs> it's like silly stories like that. And then we yeah. yeah we put them on for our Halloween Zombie Ball, and it was pretty much the first one that fully sold out. An infamous picture of uh, them uh, playing uh, all entangled on stage. Yeah, lying yeah. down and just... perfectly suited a, a, a ball for zombies that have just done a zombie walk around the city centre, and they were all in their makeup and graves. Graving, you know, whatever you want to call it, and it was just, yeah, and they were. I think they they summed up an era of our radio show perfectly. Cause oh, hundred percent. Because we again, um, like with the uh, some of the stuff we mentioned in the last podcast, they're um, for me unspoken and call to arms of two different albums. Um, were so popular, so well written that we could slam them at any club night. Oh yeah, yeah. And people didn't have to know them to be into them. They were one of those bands that you slammed a track like that. People were coming um, up to you and asking who they were afterwards. They're one of the bands that did the um, Jaeger Iceberg performances as well. Yeah. Uh, they've done, uh, yeah, they the were Jaeger invited tours. to do like a Koran cover and stuff like that. These guys were phenomenal, um, but unfortunately, um, thing, like, it, it just, 
it couldn't translate to the career that they needed. It was almost like the hype was bigger than the reality, but not in a bad way, just um, they needed that sort of um, extra revenue stream. And the problem is with the... Is that there was a lot of bands of that era, you know, a few years back, the middle of the decade, that had the potential of pushing through, but they, they needed to be able to sustain then. Well, they needed to pull just... a Black Veil Brides in some ways. is a way out of um, the niche makeup market yeah. into a slightly, slightly more mainstream. Because the problem was, and the reason why they're we very said that they ni- needed the defiled to... were very niche, weren't they? Yeah, so they were. They were. They essentially they weren't quite popular enough to. All right, mate. Uh, they weren't quite popular enough to um, be Craigler filth. No. You know uh, who bust past their niche market and have stayed big within their own right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because unfortunately, um, it just wasn't. It wasn't a band that could do that. Though I reckon that at some point, if the defiled reformed. Um, then uh, they could probably have quite a popular uh, reunion tour um, and probably like it would be a good enough cash cow for them to be able to um, make well, it worth we're their own we're only a few years away from the 10 year anniversary exactly. of this album aren't we? so you heard it here first on the Real Life Rockstars podcast Why? Yeah, we, we'll start a campaign to get the, the file to uh, play uh, Grave Times as a reunion in they, they have to do it well the release date of the it was released on Valentine's Day 2011 so if they do it 2021 on Valentine's Day well um, we might have to put something I'm so, like I'm so tagging each member of the band when I post this on social media oh yeah definitely listen to this bitch you might only be a number four sorry but that's for the whole decade and some of the albums you're above is phenomenal exactly <laughs> yeah. uh, well um so, if we're going on to my number four... We are, because I think we've talked quite in depth about The Defiled. And uh, we could carry on. We could, because um, it's it's just a bromance. This one... Still a bromance, with all of them. Yes. <sighs> this one... Is... Sorry, I was distracted thinking about Stitch D. <laughs> <laughs> this one is um, one of my more surprising ones, but not um, if uh, you've been paying attention to me for the last few months. Uh, we'll see whether... Mike has been paying attention to uh, the stuff that comes out of my mouth. This is weird because I've worked it out, and if I've worked it out right, it's going to be your number one album of this year on a show that we haven't recorded yet or even talked about. But if it's in your top ten of the decade, it has to be your top ten of the year number one, right? Have I guessed it? Asshole. (laughs) Alright, so what's my uh, um, top four album? It is Celine's new album. (laughs) (laughs) Imminence. Hell yes. Well, that's a band that no one's going to have heard of unless they listen to our radio show, really, because um, they're so, well, so, so new to a, a lot of people. Well, the weird thing is, is um, so they are, but they're not also unpopular. No, no, um, I, I don't. Like, I don't mean that. I mean, like, for a band that's in the top ten of a, uh, or a top five of a, a decade, a decade is well, it's quite is, an accolade. Because well, I've got to give you the back history because it's a Metallica man. We, we got Infectious the single earlier this year um, <clears throat> and I'd already heard The Sickness which is also off this album uh, through just YouTube wanderings and that's where I picked up like Fire From The Gods and lots of bands have actually come out of my YouTube wanderings uh, but I got like I listened to um, you know as I say uh, The Sickness um, Sorry. and Not that one then suddenly this dropped on the radio show. It was one of those double take moments where I just looked at Michael. I was like, what is this? I need this in my life right now. Um, and it was Infectious, the track. That put me on to their previous album, uh, This Is Goodbye. 
And that's a cool album, but nothing that would make top 10. And then I was waiting um, sort of for um, when we got Saturated Soul um, as well, if you remember that one um, that we played on the show. Possibly. Um, I have so listened we, to their back catalogue because you told me to. Um, yeah. it, didn't, it didn't light you up anywhere near the same? It's definitely not in my top 10 uh, albums of the decade, I'm afraid, guys. I'm really sorry. But, but given what this is also up against, because <laughs> um, I did put certain limits on myself, it had to be a rock show album. Uh, because uh, the only things that would have beaten out anything on my top ten here would be a reason why Turn the Light On also speaks to me, because I love Lindsay Sterling. Um, and I do love Lindsay Sterling. I think she's amazing. Saw her earlier this year, and I was in my element. Um, and in this album, um, Imminence have found the balance between metalcore and violins. That, for me, is just a ha-ha-ha. Um, but across this album, you've got every part of um, their um, style that I love. So I'm in love with the um, first track of it, learnt all the words to it, can sing it like a mimic. Um, then, you know, the, uh, the singles that we've played on the show, there's a couple of uh, acoustic numbers within the original album, Reese, which is sick, um, as well as some really good mental health stuff. Then they've done acoustic versions of uh, track, like the main tracks in it as well. Okay. And the dude just, like, is blowing people out of the water. He's a Danny Warsnop-style talented, do you know what I mean? Like, up there as a talented vocalist. Um, I hope so, you're going to tag him in this podcast. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, um, absolutely 100%. Um, so, yeah, this is... Um, this is um, I, I thought long and hard on it. Is I knew it was going to be in my top ten, but it kept... Even against the other albums which I put out there, is um, it's down to personal taste. Is I just love the balance. I love every style album across the album. There isn't a weak track as far as I'm concerned. I will quite happily sit there and let, let any of them come up, even if it's random play. Nothing will get skipped. There's very few albums in my entire life that I like that percentage of. Okay. So it had to be a top it's five. It's changed your life. Um, in many ways it has, but... There's less emotional attachment to some of the um, like against some of the ones I had on this list. I wonder if you'll feel the same though in a couple in a year's time. I do wonder too. Um, there there was a certain consideration of am I um, just like because this is uh, that. But I've uh, said since this album's come out is they busted their way into the core group of my top uh, ones, which most of uh, uh, my top five is going to include. There's like a core group of bands that are my favourite bands. Yeah. Um, but Eminence is turned that group of three into four. So, interesting. Um, exactly. Um, I so wonder yeah. if their next album will feature in your top ten in ten years' time. Again, this is the interesting thing, but I like the. Are they going to be the band of the twenties? But this is still a snapshot of time. Like I said, that's why Holy um, Hell by Architects is in there. Is um, I'm taking the snapshots of things and albums that are more recently released will mean more to me now. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, like, in 10 years' time, like we said on the last podcast, like, can you imagine the 20s? Or we said, can you imagine the teens without Slipknot? You can't. Mm-hmm. Imagine in 10 years' time, we say, oh, can you imagine the 20s without imminence? That's, Do you I, think they have that potential in them? Uh, well, to be, like, like say, headliners uh, and global conquerors? I wouldn't be surprised because they've got an interesting thing. First band to be played on Mars? <laughs> well, no, they, they're Swedish. Um, and because um, Sweden doesn't have the metalcore scene that the UK does, for example, or America does, it means that they are a much bigger fish in a much smaller pond. Are they locally famous um, but, <laughs> for Scandinavia? But uh, the four countries. What that translates to is having millions of views and a massive following. 
Um, and so they're big and they're um, and what's interesting is it means they're well funded when they leave Sweden yeah, yeah. because their home roots is actually very um, good oh, like bloody wood mm. and they they also they've got um, sort of uh, very good um, artwork very well defined videos everything's part of a set they're kind of doing that 1975 thing but from a metal core like I said incredibly good mental health recognition as well um, very positive posting. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they turn themselves into a bit more of a, a global force um, on this album cycle. Cool. Like I think um, I think we will be seeing them uh, poking their face out a bit more. So you know, one to watch Indeed. and one one to be surprised by because <laughs> there 100%. are literally hundreds of thousands, well thousands and thousands of uh, albums that could have gone in the top ten, and for one that's only been out a short while. Nice. It, it, it is very true. However, um, things things get um, a bit, uh, well, a bit different on the next uh, uh, three. So. Well, I uh, I think we should carry on with our uh, top trumps because I have a sneaky suspicion that we might have the same number three. Is uh, uh, what's your length? Uh, wait, let me just pull up the page. Uh, get rid of that one. Forty forty. Correct. Do we have the same number three? I think we do. It, it, it was yours released on the 2nd of April 2013. <laughs> we have the same number three. Was it Was it uh, Grammy nominated for Best Metal Performance in 2014? I do believe so. Was, was your number three also the first album as a return from an old by an old singer? It was, strangely enough. The sixth studio album by this band. Um, metalcore legends, in fact, and uh, also Roadrunner Records for this album. Yes, this is my highest Roadrunner Records uh, album, but it's so just we... strange that I think we might have the same one. But as I'm going first, I'm going to say what it is. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> my number three is uh, Disarm the Descent by Killswitch Engage. My number three is literally Disarm the Descent by Killswitch Engage. Oh, <laughs> fist bump! <laughs> Um, yeah, 100%. Um, Disarm the Descent is, I mean, good God, uh, one one of the most uh, uh, well-awaited albums of all time, um, I think, for my generation. Like, oh, for sure, man. Um, whether or not you were the biggest Killswitch fan, if you liked Metalcore, you have to recognise Killswitch as being the forefathers of the the most recognised metal core It's sound. like Bruce going back to Maiden. Exactly. Um, and, I'm oh, sorry, but I, I've said this many times and I'll say it another um, time, is the way that um, Killswitch turn the, um, uh, like the torch, sorry, um, Howard, Jesse, um, all of the guys involved cannot think of a band that has done it with more honour and grace oh, and man. fucking love, man. Like, Well, they've, they've now recently performed together and recorded together. Like, so, they, like... they have just done everything that we always said. Because part of the reason that I love Killswitch is literally the positivity um, of product. Yeah. The fact that, um, you know, even somebody like Adam D, who's the more gestury side and the one that doesn't, in many ways, enjoy the um, reputation that Killswitch has because he's just a guy that wants to play guitar on stage and have fun. I even love that. Is they say that they're taking their friendship with each other on stage for everybody to see. Um, they stand for so much cool shit. But you know, just look at the track listing, man. I mean, well, they're just true. They're, 
full advocates of uh, support with mental health mm. and one of the, one looking of the... after yourself and mm. things like that and you know it's it's just a phenomenal album i mean just look at it the the hell in me beyond the flames new awakening in due time tribute to the fallen the turning point all we have you don't believe for me the call cool. no end insight always time will not remain there isn't a single track there that i would not listen to yeah i know the words to all of them that's why it's my number three yeah and uh i actually know the words i i wouldn't tweet them to the lead singer and then have him re- like uh i did that with incarnate shut up <laughs> oh yeah okay so it's not on here I'm not but you, um, st- you still tweeted the wrong lyrics to him and he corrected you, which is it's like interaction from Jesse Lee. And yet again, <laughs> I've managed to embarrass myself online. Um, yeah, but what a cool way of doing it, though. Um, and again, like we've uh, we've had interviews booked with Jesse, and then um, because he's so upfront about what's going on in his life, uh, you know, we we were um, assuming that they were not going to happen before we even got like officially cancelled. We wanted to support him in that way. It's been an absolute amazing journey as fans of Killswitch Engage to be part of everything that they've done. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is that um, you know the the other Killswitch albums all sit in the noughties um, that like really sort of ramp up the the Killswitch um, sort of um, back catalogue of uh, anthems. This one though, like I say, is I I know so many people that relate to particularly two tracks off this album, being in due time and always. Yeah. Those are the two tracks where, like, you hear the peal of In Due Time, and uh, again, that's me out of uh, Marsh Retirement, uh, just into the moment, and always, what what a just beast of a, a tune. Uh, for Always is one of those where you know people are getting those lyrics tattooed on them, because they just mean so much to so many people in such a different way. Mm, it's like, mm-hmm. everyone has got a story of what that song means to them. Yeah, 100%. It, uh, and it's probably a, a thousand times away from what it actually meant for Jesse when he was writing it. And he, It's become this anthem that he's now got to sing and it was every also... night on tour, which could, I, I imagine, take your toll, because... It's, it's a very strong, powerful song. But that's what Jesse does. I mean, like, it, it depends whether you follow his official like frontman account or whether you do what the show does, and I do personally, is I follow his uh, mental health account as well. Um, and, you know, it's that give and take that keeps him going. He shares his heart, but he gets it back on yeah. something like Always. Um, and Always led to, you know, tracks like I Am Broken 2 to be uh, written and stuff like that, so... Wow, we 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 slammed number three together. Um, How bizarre! And uh, well, also that um, good taste—that's what it is. The funny thing is, is uh, with my reworkings as I've actually uh, gone through, I've put uh, <laughs> this album, The Descent, has actually um, been the one album that's like overtaken everything to this point. Um, and uh, so there's a bit more of a surprise in some ways in at number two um, that. Favorites versus favorites is that, but you're still announcing yours first. So. I still, uh, I still think we might have the same number one. But my number two is your number six, I yes, think, yes. which is Subculture by the One Hundred. Well, purely I... because it's our album. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hundred percent it. It's like it doesn't matter. Like we, it, it was obviously it summed up our um, us living together for a year or so, and that was it was on every time we did anything on, it was on loop i'm pretty sure the only reason they s- survived off anything on off youtube payments is because it was us that racked that 
EP up. We, if it was on vinyl, it would have been flat by now. There would have been no grooves left. <laughs> Overplayed it more than a scratch DJ. Oh, and to be fair, never have we interviewed a band so much off of just an EP. Yeah, and even before it came out, even before the album came out and the EP came out, we were just all over them for everything. It's yeah. just the music was infectious. That CD, that that EP story is. Just... I still compare it to people these days, even though it's that old. Um, yeah, and it's still relevant now. By the way, what I forgot to say um, on my last one through is um, I actually used to in uh, my uh, last office job, my last main office job. Uh, use a line from it because uh, um, I have as well in a disciplinary yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't blame us because you fucked up no I didn't go that far <laughs> uh, but voice of the disenfranchised or something yeah, like disenchanted. Yeah, yeah. this is the voice of the disenchanted yeah um, I, I did do the full thing so I can't remember which way around it goes to the second because as soon as you asked me to do a lyric outside of actually doing the whole song I forget which order they go in lovely dyslexia um, but yeah, no, this is the voice of the disenchanted, um, and don't blame us because you fucked up. Um, and honestly, like that, that line, um, this is the voice of the disenchanted, it, like it has always been a moment. And like the amount of times that it was just me, you, and Fraser, our other housemate, just dancing in the living room to this <laughs> track, was just so much fun. It was infectious, as you yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, it was our New Year's Eve track and all sorts. 100%, absolutely 100%. Yeah. Every, you know every festival every tour they're another band that we just interviewed them every, you know sometimes weeks apart and it just became a bromance didn't it really oh 100% um, and like just the, the silly things that we did with them and well they, play, they ended up playing a bloodstock which is a very obscure place for them to play because they're, they're kind of more grime than metal mm. if anything uh, and we were we managed to push our way right onto the actual barrier in front of them, and they were on like the second stage, weren't they? Yeah, and like... then like, we're getting interactions from. Uh, they are the band that have repeatedly shouted us out from stage, no matter what yeah, stage yeah. they're on. Even if we stood at the back being grumpy old men. Do you remember that time that we watched them um, like tear apart the underground stage at Warp Tour? Yes. Um, and stuff like that, like, and honestly, just such lovely guys. And uh, Jacob, um, like, what? I feel, like, it's a shame they're not around because his he frontman was, skills. He was the next Benji Webman. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Like the and and they never, got the experiences of playing to big crowds as well early uh, on. Do in you their remember career. when they um, converted the Papa Roach crowd and he was in tights? Yeah. Um, like he he could work a crowd. There, there's only one vocalist I say that um like can be that bold and brash at that level, which I've seen, and that's Griffin Dickinson. Yeah, okay. You know, like they they have that ability to um, you know, work with a negative crowd and like um and just the way that he engaged people, he was so cheeky but um on the likable side of it as a front man. It was just press ups in the pit because of this EP. Yes, yes, that's true. We have a video somewhere on our social media of me doing press ups in the uh, mosh pit. Um, to um, uh, them um, on a dare that we did in an interview yeah. uh, where they dared me to do them in the middle of the mosh pit so I did um, so yeah fantastic choice for number two thank you very much alright so what's your number two um, last time for this band <laughs> asking um, no and like I said the bullet bullet so uh, so if we haven't got the same number one have you got no, no trivium in the top ten no what but, the I radio edited myself there. <laughs> you so are... what? You, you've got no trivium. No trivium in the top ten. 
Damn, girl. <laughs> I know, right? What's what's that about? So the way that my favourite systems work with bands, and it's not to be taken consultantly, it's just by like I got a geeky friend. Um, shout out to uh, Elliot from uh, old band that's no longer around, Dreaming Within. Um, we like often will just sit there with like YouTube or Spotify, and uh, we just do lists um, of favourites because our, our music tastes are so similar. And don't get me wrong, Trivium are like literally um, sec like top of the second tier of my favourites. But we're basing this on what I actually repetitively listen to. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I Trivium, um, I like them almost equally personally to professionally as well. Don't get me wrong, that's a bit asking Alexandria and Bullet, but like I said, it's that 75% hit rate that really affected this top 10. So what's, what Bullet album is it then? Uh, Venom. Ah, okay. Uh, because for me, that was uh, the return of the Poison sound, um, which I didn't think, um, after Temper Temper, I was like every other Bullet fan, just like, come on guys, really? Like, is this where we're going? And then suddenly, No Way Out comes out, and we're like, I was like, oh, Matt, Matt's doing his pitter-patter again um, on the riffs, and, uh, and then the entire thing, start to finish, is just pound for pound my favourite type of, uh, uh, like, sort of metal from when The Poison was released to now. Uh, you know, like, there's so many good tracks off this album. It was. Uh, is that the first one with Jamie on? Uh, yes, um, yes. Since the departure, yeah. departure, departure of Jay and uh, replaced by Jamie, fourteenth um, of August, twenty fifteen. Uh, uh, excuse me. Forty one minutes and seven seconds. Uh, released through RCA. Um, but again, uh, if we're talking really um, like again pound for pound bangers off this album, you've got no way out. Worthless. <laughs> Uh, you want a battle? Here's a war. That's um, a tune. Venom itself. Um, See, and I, 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 yeah, that's not a big one for me. But I'm talking about their big ones as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trek uh, ones, there, but they've um, the harder the heart, the harder it breaks. Is like one that stayed in their set lists as well. And this is the one that I do believe um, that another big track of those. Um, uh, playing God? No, Raising Hell. Sorry, um, was that intermediately track that they released? Um, to sort of tickle Jamie being in the band from Temper Temper. Yeah. And I were like, oh, shit, Raising Hell is like old bullet, um, sort of tickling. And we wondered whether they're doing like what Metallica did with I Disappear, where they do something interesting, but it's not actually representative. Um, so that was uh, added as a deluxe track, um, which sort of uh, does the era. But yeah, it's one where, like I said, it's the return of the poison sound, which has always been my more favourite uh, bullet for my Valentine sound. I think when Jamie joined them as well, it changed their dynamic because they well, could sing as well. On stage, yeah. rather, rather than just being able to scream and sing, but it was also like we've listened to the podcast and it was down to the fact that, you know, um, Jay uh, sort of was still of old uh, in his attitude and stuff like that and even he recognised that he needed to take a step away from like doing all of that and I mean we knew about Jamie um, from Revolka uh, Revolka days um, and uh, uh, there's a band that needs to reform um, it'd just be me you and Crazy Doug in the audience but <laughs> um, I, again Wikipedia facts so it could be wrong but I do believe that this one is uh, true is um, he is credited as a band member but uh, didn't actually perform the album uh, Matt Tuck and his infinite um, like sort of glory uh, playing um, was actually the uh, um, guy that played the. Oh, uh, uh, okay. So he played, was it based on the actual album? Yeah, yeah. So. Ah. Um, 
Another string to his bow there. Yeah, and uh, this would also um, be the final album that uh, Moose was uh, on it, and then they got a guy who I'm pretty convinced, based on his uh, live show these days, is just a machine uh, dressed in uh, human skin. Because, like, oh, right, he's a Terminator. He is, like... Uh, he's decimating, you, isn't he? Is this the guy that we seen, like... Dunk, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, on the, one of their uh, Poison songs, um, Four Words to Choke Upon, like, the crispness of the snare roll, one of the signature bits of the intro of that song, I don't think even the original drummer Moose did it as well as this guy, just absolutely... Because there's, like, there's certain... that used to be a drummer. There's certain flares that he does that um, aren't on the album recording that just live makes it go... Yeah. Ah-ha. It's a bit like Trivium's, uh, our most recent drummer, is the only one of... Uh, <laughs> most recent. Yeah, only one of all the, the ones that they've had that can actually keep up with the back catalogue of Trivium's uh, stuff easily. That's because they've had so many drummers, it's so varied in styles. <laughs> <laughs> they need a robot as well. Mm-hmm. So, so are, we get, are we on to the, the number one album of the decade? The number one album of the decade. And like I say, this is, <laughs> this is my explosive moment now um, with... Like, as soon as I say it, you're going to go, ah, shit. Um, But this is the only, like, one that has never changed place. From the moment that you told me, I double-checked what year this was released in. Came in at number one, straight away, no ifs or buts or maybes. This is my number one When was yours released? Um, January 18th, 2011. Ah, older than mine then. Hmm. I'm intrigued now. Mine was the... April Fool's Day on uh, the third, uh, 2013. My number one album of the decade. Ooh, I am intrigued because uh, you said that we might have... Uh, I, thought, I thought you might have had this in, in your top ten, but obviously it's not at all. So I'm well off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you as well as I thought I do. <laughs> you will as soon as I tell you the album. You'll understand as soon as I tell you. Uh, both professionally and personally. You will get it. Is it a monomath? <laughs> no, it's not a monomath. Ah. Alright, you've got to do the reveal. What's your number one? Uh, Sep Eternal by grabbing uh, me the horizon. Oh! Ah! Oh. Surprise! They were, they were quite close on two albums of top ten album of the decade because it was either Sep Eternal or um, uh, That's the Spirit. Both of them. Yeah, I just did. It was one or the other for me, and I didn't want to have two in the top ten because, unlike you, I. Set, I set myself as that. I guess. Slightly it's a different criteria. Yeah. This is one of my criteria. It's got to be different bands in each slot. But no, yours is fine. I don't care. <laughs> um, so but yeah, yeah. So yeah, because basically, they that, that album is the start of their new their new bring me kind of. Because beforehand, I just didn't like them. No, we even I've had been, a rule. Yeah, we I, I even had, had a rule. We wouldn't play them on the show. Yeah, for years we didn't play them on the show, uh, mainly because I'd been lined up to interview them, any member, not just Ollie, but uh, on their way up yeah. to, to pre Sepaternal and each time I'd been sh- like, I'd travelled to go and do an interview and it didn't happen. And just because, you know, it's, it was famous at the time that Ollie didn't like doing press and would just dick with media people. And that's fair enough. It got him a nice little reputation and they run with it. But I was one of those people that you dicked with. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah. But in all fairness, I think the album before this came out, and they were controversially booked as the main support to Machine Head Mm -hmm. um, with Devil Driver as the support. Yeah. 
Devil Driver, every I went to see that tour in the NEC in Birmingham. Devil Driver, everyone was pitting, it went crazy. Um, everyone was soaking wet because it was like the worst storm of the decade kind of thing was happening outside the um, NEC, I think it was, mm. one of those big arenas in Birmingham. And um, then Bring Me the Horizon came on as the main support. And there were more people outside in the smoking shelter than there was inside watching it. More people wanted to go outside and get pissed right through in the in the torrential storm that was happening mm. to go and watch them. And it was when they had like the they were wearing the grey suits and all that kind of thing. And it was it really did divide and split. But you could tell then that they just didn't give a fuck basically. Oh, no, not at all. And and. For me, it was like, oh, perhaps I should maybe keep an eye out. And then Septernal came out and I listened to him and just didn't really, you know, I was like, nah, it's bring me, it's going to be shit. Mm -hmm. And then I went out fly posting for a gig we had on and it was a lovely evening and um, stuck it back on my headphones. Probably a good half a year or so after it came out and I'd listened to it. And then I couldn't get it off my headphones for the rest of the decade. <laughs> it, is, uh, it was it was just phenomenal. It was a different sound. It was for me. It was like being a early Lincoln Park fan. It was that kind of oh, Lincoln sure. Park for the next generation. The use of uh, keyboards and stuff because they got the the new keyboard player uh, Jordan in, and it was just boosted the sound. And Ollie wasn't screaming and just the like same way. yeah, the scream. It was a bit more radio made, friendly. Well, if that, that makes sense. sound he got. Um, because again, I think the reason why everybody now has to just respect Bring Me the Horizon in many ways is because nobody thought that the guy that got criticised for his screaming style for so yeah. many years was going to be one of the best vocalists um, going these days. Because he sings with that vulnerability in his yeah. voice and, and, and some of the lyrics, the, you know, the... Well, sleepwalking they, yeah, just sleep a fucking tune. Shadow Moses, like the lyrical content and Ugh. things like that. Like, just, can you feel my heart? It's just like, oh, that just that just floors me. It's, yeah. it's such an iconic tune. And we saw the... Uh, supporting Metallica at Reading just as the sun was going down wasn't mm. it and there were flares and they had Daniel P. Carter come on stage and announce you know this is going to be something special please don't do this and that and a proper health warning and then the place just erupted and it's like we're seeing the dawn of like the new future headliners and stuff oh and, for sure, like, for sure they, that... they've done a few headliners in the or festivals like in the states and stuff and they will definitely headline a festival but we've never seen anybody come out and ask the fans to um, behave yeah like that, I think that was probably part of causing the hype they probably asked Daniel Picard to do that but that, it, and then they had the 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 video on the side didn't they as well it was like please behave yourselves watch this video and then enjoy the show kind of thing and it just yeah it's just crazy but most of that set was off Seth Eternal wasn't yeah, it yeah 100% just phenomenal and and at the time of recording this podcast they might have been announced as one of the Reading headliners I I Again, we, we have been debating it back and forth for so long now. Yeah. Because um, at, at the moment, recording this, the only act for Reading that's been announced is Reading. Yeah. Uh, is, is, <laughs> is Liam Gallagher, which is yeah. which is cool. But uh, uh, I'm going to say it now because it hasn't been... Because it's pre-announcement. I think, yeah, Bring Me would be ideal because they've said they're possibly going to have some music albums out next year, 2020. And possibly My Chemical Romance. It just makes perfect sense because mm. My Chems would then have the 
um, TV audience as well because the headliners always get streamed on the BBC, don't they? Yeah. So it, it just makes sense. And Bring Me the Horizon, they're a BBC radio um, act anyway. They mm. do the, everything Radio 1 orientated. They're one of those acts that I think would be perfect for Reading. So that's just a prediction for next year for, for them. And I, I, you know, I think unless something drastically goes wrong, then they are the next British breakthrough tour de force kind of thing. They're, they're already there. It's just I think they need to headline a UK festival in the next year or so to really cement that as the the band that used to piss us off because they would you know they wouldn't do an interview with us and they would scream and stuff and now look at them conquering the globe and we've we've said it as well on the radio show haven't we it's like if you to go if you're a bring me you really just discovered bring me the horizon oh. of their newest album ammo which is phenomenal as well it's close to being up there in the top 10 for me but fair play, fair play. um yeah you start there and then go backwards oh. the, 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 the three albums that, or three or four albums that were before Sepaternal it's just like completely different band but if you go from the first album through to Sepaternal you can see the progression wait imagine if you did just go I'm going to go back to the first album rather than going back uh, yeah. and you just say oh Ammo's great I'll go back to the first thing like is this actually because I mean we, we give another band uh, like a bit of uh, shit about um, or I have done I've decided uh, from this point I won't um, about having a metalcore EP and then having a different sound but uh, you know Bring Me built a reputation on being a garage deathcore um, yeah yeah and they, they, they admit or what was it bedroom deathcore they called themselves a lot of the time and they, they embraced and lived being hated um, and that was actually their bit in many ways and like that the fandom was like that but also, if you go back and listen to the interviews that they did do, they also said, right in the time period of um, all of this, is no, we're going to write a number one album as well. Yeah, they've done that with the new like, Blessed by a Curse. Um, like that uh, sort of, um, well, I can never remember the album name because it's like, um, if there's a heaven and, and yeah, you know, that one. Yeah. Um, even back then, you can see how they were subtly changing um, as uh, musicians. Well, that's, that's what I was meaning. It's yeah. like, yeah, I know they've had some lineup changes, especially for Sepaternal, because yeah. the, the guitarist left as well. But, uh, yeah, before that, you, if you go from first to last, yeah, you, you can see the gradual changes, and it, it, it's logical for the choices they've made in the direction they've gone musically and sonically and stuff. It perfectly makes sense where, you, you know, you can have the the newer stuff with the bass drops and all that would have fitted in with the same sort of production and writing mm. styles of the very earlier stuff because it goes with the, the deathcore and metalcore elements of it so oh, if anything they've broadened the horizons of, of other people and, and they can almost be like a gateway band now so people go yeah I like Bring Me The Horizon mm. and then you go back to their first stuff and it's like well if they were deathcore what is this deathcore and then they go back and it's like or like that midway point of Sepaternal finding every band that sounds yeah yeah like because you said that um, you know Eminence is um, you know an influence band and I totally agree yeah um, by Bring Me The Horizon like it was but Bring Me are doing that thing as well like uh, on the new album one of their videos uh, and the single features Danny Filth so for true. us it's like yeah we know who Danny Filth is but for people that have only just got into Bring Me The Horizon through Radio 1 or those commercial stations that now play Bring Me The Horizon and then they go, well, who's this Danny Filth? And you go look at Cradle of Filth and Devilman and it's like, well, this is cool. I never knew this existed. Exactly. Arnie Sykes and his band have pushed us onto this. And I think 
you know, that's that's all credit, all all that's happened for being able to do that and influence other people around the world now is all due to this album because it's the one that just broke out for me for the whole decade. It's it's phenomenal. Fair. So that was my number one album of the decade. Was Sepaternal by uh, Bring Me the Horizon, which completely took me by shock. But mm. when I sat down and looked at it, I was like, actually, yeah, kudos. And it's a British band too. <laughs> so come on then, should I have drink? Should I have Fireball in my mouth to spit out when I go? Damn it! It's gonna make sense as my friend. Well, um, yeah, yeah, it, it really is. Um, it, do you have any clue what it could be? No, I don't know because you've done Kill Switch and. Ah, see, you haven't put any the trivia in there. I've done Kill Switch. Ah, you see, you know who's number one now, even if you can't remember the band name. Times of Grace. Exactly. Hymn of a Broken Man came out on January eighteenth, twenty eleven. Okay. Um, yeah, good choice. Like I said um, at the beginning, is um, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I forget about that? <laughs> Probably Stupid because Michael. it's been so long, <laughs> and. Again, I had to, like, we were doing albums of the decade. So whilst Times of Grace is a side project and uh, they're actually re-releasing, and uh, not re-releasing, they're uh, going for their next release soon. Um, this was of the era where um, Howard Jones was still part of Killswitch and Adam D and Jesse Leach um, did a side project band. Yeah. Now, the back history very um, uh, simply is um, uh, Adam D broke, uh, like, um, injured his back in the UK, required surgery, um, and whilst he was recovering, um, he started writing this um, stuff. And then, um, and uh, he yeah, did like the whole album, but feeling uh, that he doesn't think he's the greatest vocalist, uh, vocalist or lyricist, he wanted um, like the help that he always had, and um, the person he wrote with a lot in the early days being Jesse Leach. Um, but for me, and the, this is something that you said about being and uh, like impact on life. Whilst most of my other albums, you know, they, it dips in and out of impact on life, this was the one that really impacted me when it comes to that. Is this the one where you've actually had lyrics tattooed on you? Exactly. That's how good an album has to be if you're prepared to have lyrics tattooed on you. Do you see why it couldn't be anywhere but number one? Because it's the only album I've had lyrics tattooed yeah, yeah. on me. The other lyrics I have are not related to like the same sort of thought process. Um, I mean something completely different but no that, that's track 10 Hope Remains which and I've been quite open about the fact that um, it's a song that has often uh, been there for me and, like we talked about it on various different points but my mental health stretches back many years and it's basically been lived out a little bit on the show if uh, you've been following my James Rock shows um, and it all started when I lost uh, my hair and my beard um, and this album came out right around that time and it was, yeah, it was such a, a strange um, sort of um, thing because thinking back, there, this was still the time that a lot of medical was still emo. Um, Kill Switch were positive, but they weren't like this type of positive, if you know what I mean. Um, and you've got like Live in Love, uh, Where the Spirit Leads Me, um, you know, Strength in Numbers, Fight for Life, Willing. The, the, the album is just um, an absolute masterpiece. Um, and... It's metalcore, but it's not because it's got you know strings and orchestral bits, and it's very differently written. Oh, I'd hate to pigeonhole it, but you saying that is post metalcore? Um, of kind sorts? of, but it, it's the only post metalcore of its type, you know. It's um, uh, and even they say that they 
they knew that they had created something, but it, and it's one of those ones where and you know this this was the inter like intermediate project, and whilst Jesse wasn't in Killswitch, well, wasn't um, Jesse tending bar at the time of and stuff like that? Yeah, 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 this yeah, is a real. Podcast. This is this is one of the most honest pieces of work that I have ever listened to, um, and this is this is for, direct from suffering rather than like in due time where he had come back to kill switch and the yeah the mind state had changed the, the lyrics that he was writing for this just and to still come out with stuff like hope remains and where the spirit leads me and they and it's just words of a beautiful mind um and i don't say that sycophantically you know jesse holds his hands up and says that he's a poet i'm not strictly a poet myself but i can recognize poetry and music like yeah. this and like I said, it's, it's a dying art form in music nowadays, I'm afraid. And if you're going to get something tattooed on you, I don't mind saying it's carve your name in the face of today. Uh, from the moment I heard that, I do- adopted it as a mantra because uh, I just love the way it sounds. Um, and uh, this is one of the most like angrily positive albums as well. It's not wishy-washy, it's still in your face and punchy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, there, there are some riffs and hooks in it, man. It's got some groove, that's for sure. And I'm very interested to see what happens when the second album drops and they do an album cycle of this. Because if... Uh, like, you did the download interview where Times of Grace played because they're Hill I did, Switch, yeah. Um, and I um, caught them just before that download at uh, Portsmouth. That's where I actually interviewed Jesse Leach and stroked his beard for most of the Exactly. Um, and... Uh, Though that was Jesse Leach's first ever tour, and it's yeah. okay. Um, so they. Like, you? What did you? You punched him or something? I, and so, I tickled no, his no, beard. This, is, this <laughs> has been taken completely out of context. <laughs> That's um, why you've never interviewed him. Now he remembers everything. No, but he will also remember <laughs> the fact that I've said the wrong thing online. <laughs> yeah, We've talked I mean. at other points. He's jumped over a fence at download to come give me a um, hug. Which that's was, true, actually. Which yeah. was quite nice. Um, but no, the, the Times of Grace incident was, is I was a bit drunk um, and I went in to like sort of high five and just do that sort of reaching forward thing, but then lost my footing at the same time because somebody like sort of um, did a sway. And so I ended up like sort of flailing forward and the first thing I hit was Jesse Leach's face and sort of Aww. slightly scratched him as I was like flailing to get my balance. And it's been the most embarrassing thing. <laughs> I just had flashbacks, man, of the time you met. Uh, Johnny from HRH. Like, oh, I jumped big... into a speaker. <laughs> the sound hurt. of your head. Oh. I can still hear it now. It's two years later. Oh, I swear, I dented my brain with that one. <laughs> You're in the one of the world's leading super clubs, and it's dark, and uh, just... there's no music on or anything. The lights are on. <laughs> I still just didn't see the speaker. Just like, like... Dad, come and meet the 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 big big boss man of everything that does hrh and uh, yeah you just ran out from the dj booth and whoo-doom, straight into the room. <laughs> i'm you sorry i can still wreck. hear it now <sighs> so yeah no, I, I've, I've done silly things over the years but um yeah the, this was <laughs> roadrunner made it to number one by the way because they're the one that released this album oh uh, okay so how many Roadrunner albums have you got in your top ten? Um, I don't know because I didn't actually uh, write it down next to all of them. Oh, okay. Um, but <clears throat> I'd have to say, just looking yeah. at my top ten, they have to be the label of the decade. I, I would say so. Uh, run length of this one is uh, fifty-two minutes fifty-six. Um, oh, uh, Sepaternal's forty-four eleven on RCA though. Fair, fair. So that is 
That is everything. I mean, I, I don't have anything more that I particularly need to did say you have, about. Did you have a, a number one uh, track single from the last decade? Because I've tried to think of this and it's just like, no, it's too impossible nowadays. Maybe Unleashed by the 100, but then the, that's just for a certain sort of feeling or element of my life. There, there, I can't think of many tunes. I could probably put a playlist together of singles that I can highly relate to from the last decade but I wouldn't like, want to pick one of those that would just grow and grow and grow um, yeah wise. Um, like no I don't think that you can break it down to uh, one single there um, I don't think it, um, especially for us we could break down the last uh, 10 years to even one band that stood out above everything else we have the bands that we relate to um, and the, the one I would pitch that is probably our band as the like the radio um, show and this is through everything that we've said and through all of it is still weirdly um, bookmarked through our career is Slipknot. Yeah. It is. If you go in big band. Uh, well, just any like and um, the we said it was one of the BMW missions before I actually strictly joined the rock show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and did like full time. Um, it's we did the big one there. It was our first um, sort of. Um, first weekend um, doing the modern setup of the rock show with cameras and everything like that. Not our first download together, but the no, first one that yeah. we were like the team rather than you um, uh, pulling me out of uh, <laughs> the trough that this uh, my number one album also relates to uh, when I had lost my hair and everything like that. Um, and uh, so t we've had those like, things and we've never gone more than like two years, I think, than actually seeing Slipknot. Um, one place or another. Same with Limp Biscuit there. True. Who would be your live band of the last decade? See, it's really difficult because there's that um, sort of um, gone um, element to it because I, my, one of my original gateway bands that led me to um, the point where we can do something like this 10 years of doing a radio show together is um, Linkin Park. And I saw that album yeah. in totality, start to finish, as the start of the set, and then Chester to go on and do the rest of his career's work without missing a note. Like, maybe a little bit of flatness here or there, but he had just screamed his way through hybrid theory um, and had been doing it on an album. Yeah. That was such a standout performance for me because it meant so much to me that it kind of blows almost everything else out of the water because it's it was hybrid theory as hybrid theory on downloads main stage center night just I, I had all of the things I needed to get completely off my face the way which I was at the time and like I made friends in the crowd and like it, it was such an experience but also how does that compare to watching Prodigy with you for the first time at download on the first ever rock show download yeah it's hard to do pick out a live performance for the last decade because it's like it seems an epic festival things but yeah. ma mainly that is um headliners due to us working work. yeah working through the day but then you get to see full production shows so it is very you know full production even if it is you know aerosmith for the third yeah. time or death leopard for the third time at download or something it's still a big production kind of thing so to see like some of the shows we've been to like the like the O2 and things like that mm. Mastodon like ho ho holding Mastodon up to be live on stage at the O2 was quite fun because I was interviewing them 
Yeah. And then didn't stay for the entire show because I wanted to get back to watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that like stand out, but that's smaller venues. But then we've put on events like the one that would really stand out is selling out the Zombie Ball with Skin Dread. That's always going to be, no matter everything that happened after the year after, like selling out the Demograve on the Zombie Ball was probably one of the highlights of the decade. Hundred percent. Like it was just cemented everything that we've built up from a, an event that was for a pub a few years ago to selling out a thousand capacity multi-venue with huge names in each room kind of event it was cool as well as still being the um, show that we or the promoters that we always wanted to be where yeah, yeah I there think was it, so much um local stuff sprinkled in as well that well that was it i think it summed up a, it's uh, summed up an era of in our local scene because there was there were bands from um villages and areas so like East Evans had like three or four bands and then mm. Exmouth this is very local to where we live but Exmouth had like three or four bands Exeter yeah. had uh, an actual scene in itself and there were a few bands that were breaking through so we were, we were kind of part of that as well and it kind of felt like that that kind of solidified things at the time for things sure. at the time that era of our radio show and the local scene and stuff like that so that's probably the one event that would stand out in the last 10 years for me is that zombie ball that we did i think that wins because I, I was just comparing it in my mind to one of the other standout moments for us which um, i think that boils down to like two standout moments uh, that uh, you would agree are shared show like achievements <laughs> yeah is the first time that we went to reading yeah, that was pretty cool because it took forever to try and get into Reading. And it? we got there on our own name yeah. uh, rather than anything else, which was the year where our own name started being our accreditation rather than sort of stations that we worked for or yeah, anything yeah. like that. So that was a big year for us. And the other one was also, um, you know, sort of uh, stepping out to our DJ, one of the bigger clubs in um, Ibiza. <laughs> it was crazy, wasn't it? Like just, We're just going to fly out to Ibiza and DJ in Club Eden. You yeah, know? And the big just, one of the biggest clubs in the world. It's on the world global circuit type thing. And just being in Ibiza and doing stuff like that. So yeah, no, there's, but nothing does compare to the hard work. Um, and you know what? We've uh, shouted them out in a, like a, a previous podcast as well. But um, one of the sort of main um, ex members um, of the um, show that's now. Uh, a big part of uh, you know the, our local scene staying afloat is you know that was the era of uh, Mr um, or Doctor sorry Biff Good oh yeah, um, yeah. and he helped as much on um, that big sellout yeah. event as well and we don't forget things like that we don't forget um, the the good times with the people that we've worked with and like I say it was quite it was quite funny that day of that ball when we actually had to go and buy like thousand pounds worth of rider and stuff at eight o'clock in the morning and Biff like was, loads of Biff, alcohol Biff, Biff just pushing the trolley around going like it just it was sorry that was quite visual wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> for a podcast <laughs> just um, just envisage a big hairy guy with a, a beard that doesn't say a lot but that never gets up before countdown in the afternoon <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> getting uh, up at eight o'clock in the morning it was like proper effort and, and you know that was a 24 the, hour day for us almost and the pinnacle of us all working together um and you know we're, we're psyched for the guy at the moment he takes all of you know what we enjoyed working with him over um and he's now working with other people in exeter which is great so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but shout out also for um, that zombie morning like to um, uh, a gentleman who's currently spent the, and i'm very jealous currently spent the last uh, and like sort of couple of years uh, traveling but do you remember um, Toby just stepping yeah, in yeah. and just like making um, everything uh, go so much easier because he was just like 
oh, well, um, I'm going to be your on-the-day emergency tour um, uh, like, like, stage manager because things were just heaving. But by the end of it, we were the only um, people that have ever managed to catch up on Changeover with Not Slip, which is a Slipknot tribute band. All nine pieces with scaffold drumming and everything. <laughs> we formed a sort of uh, Seven Dwarves like, um, a, a line, just like um, and got um, the Changeover done so quickly that we actually clawed time back on our own main stage. But let's not forget, that's the year that we had um, Dainton and Pritchard yeah. um, come down and do our after-show party with Alex Baker from Kerrang Radio. I mean, it was nuts. It was the pinnacle of that era for us, mm. which is why, yeah, why the event, event of the decade, I guess, is one that we put on. <laughs> but for so many reasons, and obviously Skindred, as always, um, absolutely uh, brought it. But we had, like, Glamour of the Kill. Yeah. And funnily enough, do you remember um, who else? Um, oh, wait, was that the next year? No, Cambion. Yes, no, I was uh, yeah. um, right. They, um, the original like sort of intro um, people that gave us an intro for our show from the local yeah. scene. They were uh, on the main stage as well. So yeah, uh, and that is it was an awesome, awesome gig. Do you have a person of the decade, a human of the decade? Human of the decade, apart from you. Um, <laughs> human of the decade. You thought you were just going to be doing top 10 albums of the decade now, really throwing you in. Oh, well, that's, they've done, like, absolutely no preparation for it. Are we talking, like, personal, pre uh, like personal professional or just personal personal? Well, yeah, personal within the rock metal. And, you know, who, who's, who do you think should will end up becoming, like, an icon that's from this decade? Hmm. And um, from this decade, like... Do they have to have started in no, this no. decade? No, no, they don't have to have, but they, they, they'd have uh, solidified their iconic ship in, in the last 10 years. Shall I tell you mine whilst you're thinking? Uh, Dave Grohl. Going in, going in big, that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, you know, not, not only is he like, he's, he gets kids up on stage and makes their world... Um, things like this that guy and... yeah for instance but yeah you know, he, he, he does he's the only guy that can fall off stage in front of 80,000 people break his leg and then 40 minutes later when he's doing the pain meds have kicked in yeah, get back on stage and finish the set before going to hospital yeah. just for that alone it's like you might not be in the heaviest rock band in the world but when they when Foo Fighters play they play for three hours at mm. minimum they do a bunch of cool covers. He's, you know, he's made movies about studios. He's a member of Nirvana, man. So he's always got my vote. And oh, I, just, I just think in the last ten years he has personified what I think an old style rock superstar and a new era like pre and post internet megastar icon should be. Uh, so I, I'm I'm nominating Dave Grohl as my. Uh, human of the decade within rock metal and alternativeness if that's okay with you sir i'm not sure how sure i am of this one maybe just special mention i'm not sure if i can actually answer your question because there's too many you don't want it to, this person this human to be icon of the decade i've just named dave Grohl as icon of the decade there you go you <laughs> make such a good um case on icon of the decade it's it's so difficult because you have the post um, like um, posthumous uh, one of Chester, but how much are we doing that because Chester isn't going to be with us in the next decade? 
Ah, yes. Yeah, so no, and um, because again, like I, I, I've said it more since because I figured this is what speaking out is all about. But um, you know, I, I was not somebody that was jumping on the bandwagon or bad press for um, the most recent album, saying it's very damaging if you follow his interviews up until now that you know people are responding this way and yeah he's swearing in interviews but why aren't, why aren't we looking at the why of it yeah, yeah. why is he being uh, of course to i'm swearing in interviews and then sadly he was going i'm not saying i knew what was coming i was just saying that my personal standpoint as a press agent was to not join in on that bad press in fact it's a cornerstone of my james rock show that we don't do bad press um there's enough of it about we just don't have to do it oh i don't know you've egged on a few tracks you don't like but that's just being honest I'll, I'll give an honest opinion but I don't like I don't join like any form of cyberbullying oh no thing, not at all I mean. no um, yeah if you're if you hate a tune you hate a tune well not, I, I, it's not hate is it I just, just don't like again, it again my, my, my general thing is it just doesn't make my playlist it doesn't make my followed artist you yeah know, that sort of thing um but um, and I was so is Chessie your icon or is uh, are you still debating but verbally on mic <laughs> I think because who are you verbalizing it against? Who's your who could be he posthumously or unposthumously if your other person is not? No, I think it's got to be Chester uh, for me because again, Linkin Park is one of those bands that I, I, I would say are my favorite band, but I feel like again, they're, they're very high on my second tier of favorites. Because has Chester got that iconship, if that's a word, uh, of, I suppose the. the your generation's version of Kurt Cobain, who's very troubled in his mind and pouring pour it out in in the lyrics and struggling, yeah, yeah, struggling yeah. to you know, yeah, sing those lyrics every night while people are actually enjoying and having mm. fun. Whereas actually, what you're writing about is or singing about is tearing you apart inside, kind of thing. So yeah, it's I think yeah. I can understand why you put Chester forwards. Yeah. Well, even before his untimely death, he, he would have been up for nomination, I'd imagine, for or a contender for Icon of the Decade, just for... Being Chester. Well, they... they Park, just like, just that band reached so many people in the last decade. Like, 100%. They, they understood the power of social media early in their career and used it to their advantage for good as well yeah positive image yeah positive image and although Chester obviously was struggling for a while and everything it's like you can tell from their music it's it's like still trying to deal with it's like kill switch it's it's very positive in dealing with touchy subjects yeah 100% and he's in freaking transformers so that's also (laughs) enough said if you don't put him as an icon you Optimus Prime is going to kick your ass, right? Just a little bit, yeah. So yeah, I can uh, I can agree with that. So you... we have two icons. I like it. Um, anything? Uh, any other questions that you can think of? I just uh, I don't know. It's just it's the end of a decade, isn't it? It We've is done, the end of the decade. Done best of end. Done icon. What else do you want? You got your best albums. We can't do best singles. No. There's no best um, band. We've managed to whittle that down to a couple of. Or like an iconic band as well. Um, no, I think we're. Um, I think for uh, the things that you can place like a certain special mention to, as you say, the icons of the decade. Yeah. Um, I think this will be known as the decade that sort of metalcore became a, a, a proper thing. Yeah, metalcore. It's it's, it's, it's yeah. It's, it has taken over, or or technology from metal, used in metalcore has taken over big in other because other elements of rock and metal now mm. it's not just 
two guitarists, a bass player, a drummer, and a singer nowadays, you to widen your reach as an artist, the bigger your sound is. So if that incorporates keyboards and symphonics and electronics and different styles and everything, they seem to be the bands that are having a much bigger reach, at least on social media anyway, which is where mm. things are going forwards. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. We could predict what things could happen in the next 10 years. Um, just to just to see if we actually are still doing podcasts or if we're just beaming directly into the, people's heads. They're really dark predictions, man. Because you're basically like the main <laughs> thing that you predict over the next ten years is which bands are gonna not be able to continue. Well, and that's that's, that's the... a given. So we're not yeah not, we we don't need to predict bands, but maybe we could almost predict sort of trends that could happen. It'd be nice. Almost like a time capsule, or even we could go back to this podcast in a year's time and say what's happened in 2018, besides okay, My so Chemical Romance playing in the UK at some point. <laughs> we're going to down to um, headline uh, replacers. So um, we're looking at um, Bring Me the Horizon. Yes. Five Finger Death. Yes. Alter Bridge. Um, Alter Bridge. Um, uh, if you're going the Alter Bridge vein, you're talking Blackstone Cherry as well. Hundred um, percent. As our rock and roll sort of yeah. uh, airborne potentially on that front yeah. as well. Maybe a bit um, later than those other couple because they're yeah. just a few albums behind. Our Slipknot esque replacement is likely to be someone like Parkway Drive. Yeah, they're already there, headliners, aren't they? Um, so. so we're going to see their main stage uh, with that sound. Um, and then stuff gets a bit interesting. We've covered like uh, our thoughts about Bullet Trivium because uh, both are. Uh, you know, big thrash metal machines, um, and metalcore machines. The like, yeah. the, the balance of both. Um, they're gonna, you know, stay as a big influence um, in like the industry. Do you do you, do you think that um, they're going to be as big a pull? Uh, how's the best way to say it? Say like bands that headline festivals. You like your Metallicas and your Maidens don't have to headline festivals. They can go and hire a Wembley or a Twickenham mm. and do their own stadium show it'd be the same show that you'd get at download production wise and stuff but in their own stadium where they could take all the money from the tickets or whatever mm. however their business works there aren't necessarily bands nowadays that can go out and hire Twickenham and do their own headline show like Talica used to do 10 years ago if that makes sense yeah. so does this mean that festival headliners like download and Reading and these big super venues to have to whittle down and become a bit more niche stages so you'd have well, to like you, you say this the the interesting thing is his transition yeah, yeah don't forget and uh, not this year but last cj and i were chatting at download from thy artist murder yeah. on uh, uh camera and go check out the interview on uh, youtube but he says that um thy artist murder because uh, slayer and like were around the time that they wouldn't have been doing any much more in australia they just finished now haven't they? yeah they were um picking up Slayer fans. Yeah. There was transition of sound. Um, so, and like mood as well, because Lie Art is Murder, if you think about it, is kind of like a, an understandable spiritual uh, follow up to Slayer. You go to a Lie Art is Murder show, it's a very similar family. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know? see what you mean. But can you see Lie Art is Murder having, being, uh, having the same cause, being able to go in their career now and their sound? To be able to go and say by the end of the twenties, 
we're hiring Twickenham and we're not going to headline downloads. No, the bands, I, I don't I'm think not, the I'm way not. bands are going in their trajectory nowadays, on the, especially in the live scene, you're not going to see those bands breaking through to be able to demand that they can choose not between sure. headlining a festival or doing their own at a stadium because they've got that same sort of pool. You know if you book Metallica, you're guaranteed to sell about, six, say, 60,000 tickets and the rest are like there not for yet. a festival. But I think it's coming. Because again, like... Fragmented or bands being able to do that? Because if so, which bands do you see well, pushing? Well, the Horizon um, are soon going to be uh, their own uh, sort of stadium hires and stuff like that. But my point being is that the love of live music um, will not go away from people. Yes, oh, no, not love. at all. So what, what's going to happen is the reason why I said we've got to um, almost like predict what um, goes is as we do lose um, the people that... <laughs> Um, names are still cropping up on billings and we're still um, yeah, yeah. saying like a, and I'm not complaining I'm just saying that when we finally are losing those bands that hold um, the money um, that they do at the moment because they are still functioning and going and yeah. all of the fans like move across that is you will see that natural thing that happens because people love festivals and support acts and everything like that is you will start seeing the trickle down of the band that you didn't want to pay attention to uh, because why would you pay attention to Something that sounded like uh, Motley Crue when you can go and see Motley Crue. Why would you? You let... can now. <laughs> my, my point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My point exactly. Um, but why would you want to look at the next um, sort of uh, genre of technical shred um, thrash when Iron Maiden is still playing? Yeah. Why would you be interested in that um, rhythm heavy with a lead break um, thrash sound that Metallica does? Whilst Metallica's still around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is why you have bands like Bring the Horizon being uh, the big ones that follow. Um, but you know, it we it'll be interesting because we're also around that time where we're going to get another resurgence of bands like um, you know we're talking Slipknot and Linkin Park earlier. Is we are um, sort of at that point where enough time has passed about every twenty years. It's the kids uh, discovering their parents' um, music from when they were teenagers. Just generation busters. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get like the next uh, couple of big things come along. We're going to have a resurgence. It always happens. All always. those kids that were born sort of 2000 to 2005 are oh. now going to go back because they're going to be starting going to uni and things like that. They're going to go back and go, well, what was my old man into uh, in 2013? three kind of thing and it's like well, well actually he's listening to Lincoln Park and stuff so yeah it'll be the next generation of bands that are influenced by new new metal kind of stuff I guess and pop punk and emo that was big at the time and then you've got your emo bands that are reforming now I was going to say it's um, interesting we're, times we're seeing uh, what happens when you can uh, come back uh, that strong and so Sorry, go, go on. Um, I think one of the next uh, um, people that we're going to see jump up to main stage um, status, because uh, we've mentioned Bring Me and the fact that we see their uh, jump up potentially being in the next year, um, but Five Finger Death Punch. Oh, for sure. They're about they're to They're headlining that. in the States and those festivals and stuff, so it's just a case of over here. And they're just waiting, and they're, they're tickling it long enough. They're, yeah. wait, they're, they're demanding that their fan base be screaming out for them, because it's a very clever thing. Um, create a need yeah and yeah. then fill a need so what about recently going forwards for the next 10 years Coldplay have said they're not going to tour until they can make their tours uh, carbon yeah green and carbon neutral which I think is going to play not just because they're a big stadium band that do tour all over the world but I think that's going to be a, pay a big pint everyone no matter how big your band is if you are playing stadiums or if you're playing from 
Exeter to Plymouth and have to travel over, you know, in the van kind of thing. Mm. The environmental impact, I think, is going to play huge in the planning of tours and stuff in the next uh, 10 years. I think that's something that's going to come in. Whereas, like, the last 10 years, it's gone from CDs to streaming services with downloading in between kind of thing. I think mm. in the next 10 years, one of the main emphasis will be is, is touring and merchandising and stuff sustainable and can we make money and now it doesn't and, trend well if you have your own private plane yes exactly I can understand why I made them do it because they fly all their backline and their entire stage with them and stuff like that uh, that's, that's slightly different we're talking they'd about still, yeah they'd still have to do that if uh, the rest if the band didn't travel with them so in, in fairness the way Maiden do it as an all inclusive unit because the band and supports and everything goes in that one plane Whereas some bands, yeah, they'll fly stuff to Frankfurt mm. in Germany from the States and then from there to the UK to do a little tour around the UK and then fly their stuff over to, say, Spain or something and then they all travel on the bus. So I think planning tours will change completely. Mm. Uh, the it, Like Coldplay did, I keep going back to them, but I think they made a good point about it. They did a streaming-only pay-per-view gig with no audience there on YouTube and they did one in Sunrise, one at Sunset, two different sets on one day uh, in a really picturesque kind of thing looking at the newsreel that I saw online mm. and uh, they, they, they're trying to work out how they can sustain huge tours that they do because if you think of the production screens and stuff, mm. it's, I think that is going to be a very pivotal part of moving forward in the next 10 years at least for touring and music in the general. The Green Impact is also that uh, let's be fair, the throwaway culture at uh, festivals yeah, oh, for uh, sure. is um, becoming massive. And, uh, you know, uh, Boomtown um, both got uh, claimed and criticised, depending on which side of the argument you wanted to be on for what it did this year. But they held their hands up and went, it's not perfect, but we're still doing better than we did before. That's it. So, That's all you can ever ask for, is to do better than you did before. Yeah. I, I guess I can't really think of anything else. You know, we've done our best of the last decade, done some predictions for this decade. What yeah. Anything else? Um, no. Just that we're going to take a nice like month off from podcasting and radio show and stuff. Um, I think that's it. I mean, we've uh, we've definitely filled up the time, haven't we? Yes, uh, yes. Uh, we're, we're, we're planning on doing an hour for each podcast. The first one was an hour. So far, this one goes in at over an hour and a half. But I think it's more important. Don't you? I do think so. It was a good little chat. So I guess we should really wish everyone a happy Christmas. Or whatever you're, whatever you're doing for the next couple of weeks, be it Christmas or just and chilling, then, family time. If you, even worse, if you're working, and mm. especially on some of those days that you really don't want to be working, or you're working with a banging hangover or whatever. Uh, remember to get a banging hangover. You should be drinking uh, Fireball, who sponsored this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, drink it sensibly. And we should look say after that. yourself. Yeah, look after yourself and each other, as Jerry would say. Yeah. So. Uh... Until the next decade. Oh, like what you did there. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, goodbyesies. Goodbyesies. Uh, have a wonderful end of year, and, and we'll end see of you decade. in 2020. Toodles.